no, no, it's not related to the office character. Although I think they got inspiration from it. Um, right. Of course. Uh, Christian's wife actually has said it yeah. multiple times. I don't think, I don't that think I'm a she genius. has, by the way, do you uh, want, yeah. do you want, do you yeah, want to say yeah, hi to them? Hi. All right. There you go. Hey, Ali. Yeah. I got, I got, uh, <laughs> this one Ooh, this one is in theme. I got a little star blast bang. Oh, banged up. I know. It's not Over bad, here. dude. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Yeah, we will have fun. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to the oh, podcast. Oh, man. Yep. And then James Gunn, the actual director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Hell He's yeah. The one who's, yeah. Yeah. He, well, I mean, uh, yeah, because he would interact with Kevin Feige a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why yeah. I'm going to be uh, uh, Kevin Feige's second in command. Right. You know, to take over when he leaves. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well then. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Uh, hey, what's up, everyone? My name is uh, 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 Star Boy. Wow, that was really creative. Uh, I'm Dan. Uh, I'm I'm John. Wow. Okay, cool. This is Cape Shit. What the <laughs> fuck? Dude? We got to get the energy up here. What the fuck is happening with this podcast <laughs> intro right now? This isn't good. This is this is this is bad. Uh, he called me out. It looks like we Excelsior all need a bang. Just, yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know. Yeah. Uh, hey, what's up, everyone? It's time for another episode <laughs> of the very high energy podcast known as Cape Shit. My name is Christian. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, of course, your fearless commander uh, leading you into the uh, uh, the brave unknowns. I'm braving. I am brave. And you're going into the unknown palace. But I know what the palace is. You don't, however, which is why you're listening to your favorite podcast that, of course, you've been uh, telling all of your friends and family about at this point. I'm sure I don't even need to uh, uh, say that at the top like I have been doing. I've said it enough times at the top that you're just doing it now. And so, you know what? Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Uh, I actually have a docs sheet of every individual that listens to this show. And if we ever start trending downwards uh, in the downloads, I will be releasing it onto the dark web. Um, And, uh, you know, I got a lot of criminal buddies up in there. And I think that they would uh, have a little fun (laughs) with your information. Uh, sitting here, uh, next to me in spirit at all times is, of course, John, and, uh, sitting hey. somewhere in a sad apartment in California uh, okay. is Dan. So, uh, hey, wow. what's going on, guys? Oh, it's very sad. No, that's fine. <laughs> Thanks for releasing the state that I live in. Yeah, I was hey. trying to keep that secret. <laughs> right, so. sure. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. Yeah, because there's no other way they'd know that I'm from California. Right. You know, not by any of the things that I say mm. in this podcast. Cor- yeah, of course not. The, I'm, I'm a man of the people. You're always you know? shrouded in mystery. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it 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 seeps off of him like so many other things constantly <laughs> seeping off of Dan. Well, you know what else was shrouded in mystery? Yeah, what? The Guardians of the Galaxy. Whoa, yeah, hey, that was our our movie this week. Yeah, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about the Guardians of the Galaxy, Dan? Wow. Well, you know, I'll say that uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy was kind of the first MCU movie that people didn't really know what to expect out of it. It wasn't necessarily like one of the biggest... pop culture teams or groups of superheroes before this came out like Iron Man or Captain America or Thor. Uh, so people were kind of unsure what to expect out of this movie, but, uh, it turned out really well, uh, grossed $772 million worldwide. Well, it didn't even break uh, a billion. Sad. That's yeah, I know how yeah? sad really. Jesus Christ. What a uh, flop. 
Yeah, well, it came out August 1st, 2014. That's probably why. Everything released August 1st doesn't make a billion dollars. That's what I've heard. Unfortunately. Um, what? Yeah. Who says that? Everybody says that. Everybody. Don't even worry oh. about it. Okay. Uh, it was directed by James Gunn, who will go on to direct Guardians 2, the upcoming uh, Guardians 3, and also did the uh, revamped Suicide Squad and the Peacemaker show for DC. Right. Peacemaker. Uh, and he was also which, yeah. uh, briefly canceled for a string of tweets alluding to wanting to be pissed on by children. Great. So I was going to leave that out for okay. this but, one. No, I mean, but, we... you know, it happened. <laughs> yeah, I figured it it'd be better for Guardians time. too. Yeah, it know, was but... it was it was quick, you know what I mean? Like like everyone <laughs> yeah. was like, "Hey, that's not cool." And we were like, "But actually, we kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy. You can come back." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was pulled off the project, then everyone on that project said they were going to not come back right. until James Gunn came back. So, right. there you go. And because can... they all condoned yeah. his actions. You can all take yeah. from that what you will. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um we had a uh list of so many celebrities here. Uh Chris Pratt, I mean, the voice of Mario. Yeah. That's how you should know right, him, obviously. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah, Chris Pratt, famously the voice of Mario. Yeah, less than a week from today, we'll get the first teaser for the Super Mario movie, oh, by the boy. way. Oh, my God. I, yeah, hey, I cannot wait. New podcast incoming, fellas. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Just based on Chris Pratt as Mario. Pipe shit. Pipe shit, That's, dude. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Zoe Saldana as Gamora, Dave Batista as Drax, and Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon, and then Vin Diesel as Groot. Dude, I saw that in the like in the intro. Or dude, was, I audibly oh. laughed. Yeah, it was like yeah. I was like, what the fuck? How, and how did I have no idea? I did not know yep. that up until I watched the movie. But I'm like, yeah, it's like you could have really had anyone is like the cgi funny man plant guy it's just such a weird pick for it to just be vin diesel well he uh not only voiced groot in english but he voiced groot in all of the other languages that this movie Whoa. is available wow in. what uh, a range I, don't, I know i don't know if you know this but for the whole movie he only says i am groot except for one exception at the end so wait do, uh, does he actually say i am groot in all the other languages yes but like, isn't I am Groot like his specific language? So like, wouldn't you not have to translate it to other people's language? Look, we're not here to go. <laughs> Mayamo uh, S Groot. Actually, yes, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, yeah, he learned what the phrase was in each language and then uh, translated it for each oh, version man. of the movie yeah, that was that's released. Awesome. That's fucking silly, dude. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's a, a quick rundown of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and we can just hop right into Earth 1988. Whoa, hey, right? everybody, everybody remembers year. that year. Well, yeah. I was not born yet. Uh, I'm very young and vibrant, right. as uh, people know me to be. <laughs> uh, vibrant? What the fuck? I don't know if anyone's like, ever described you as vibrant. <laughs> don't worry about it. Everyone else says that. Those five people I named earlier, right. they all say that sure, too. Yeah, so. Oh, wow. You're just a yeah. vibrant genius. <laughs> yes, yeah, thank you dude. so much. That's uh, I've, hear I've heard that many times. Uh, and that's where we get our first look at this uh, cassette tape player which right. is a walkman uh did any of you guys own cassettes at all back in the day uh 
Or are you too young? I'm too young for that. I had a I had a CD Walkman. Yeah, I had mm. a um I had I had I had a boombox that had a CD uh 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 player like you put a C but it also had a cassette thing in the bottom of it. So I was like right, oh, right at the cusp. Right, right. I was right at the turn. Mm. There were still cassettes around, but they were already sort of being phased out in favor of the yeah. compact disc. Thank you so much for Fascinating. that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had <laughs> I had one cassette, I think, my whole life, and then I went to CDs. So mm -hmm. what was it? What that cassette was, yeah. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah. I, I have no idea. I bet it was something dumb. Wow. Thank you so much. You're you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of what a dumb example would be, and everything yeah, I could couldn't... think of was just too cool because that's it how was... my mind works. I only think of cool things. I couldn't yeah. even think of something not cool for an example of what you would own because I shut it out of my mind. I don't think about things like that. Well, do you know who Raffi is? Uh, yeah, duh. Of course I know. Yeah, Raffi it was is. probably a Raffi cassette tape. Well, honestly. that's pretty cool. If I thought, yeah, if I, Raffi, you know what? If I know Raffi what it is, cool. it's pretty badass. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, all right. Now everyone gets serious because okay. now we're in the hospital. Right. All right. Yeah. yeah now everyone gets hospital. serious because his mom has cancer. <laughs> Bro, why does his mom look like the Sorcerer Supreme? Dude. Well, <laughs> dude, his mom. This is this is something that I want to say too. Is I'm just like I do not believe that that woman has cancer because she's so hot, and it's like I shouldn't oh, okay. look even, at like a, even as a bald cancer right, patient. Right, even as a bald like, cancer patient, I'm just like if you've ever actually seen a real human being with cancer, like you wouldn't be like, oh, I want to fuck them, you know? It's like, but okay. but with, but with Quill's mother, I'm just like, bro, it's like, do you? Yeah. Do you realize that? many different kinds of people get cancer. I don't, I don't know if you know I, that. Yeah, but not the dying ones. Yeah. The dying ones don't look right, like because, it. Right, because oh. the deal is it's like it's set up where it's like she dies that day. You're literally witnessing yeah. her final moments on Earth as this beautiful cancer cherub, you know? It's like it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't track with me. I don't believe it. Okay, well... Uh, she does, uh, mention something about his, uh, father in this moment, which we hear some few references, uh, throughout the course of this movie. Uh, and it doesn't seem like the dad's actually coming back. Uh, he went to go get cigarettes and then never showed back up. And now he's somewhere else in the galaxy. Right. Uh, yeah, doesn't seem to be on earth. Can I just say, I hate child actors. Like, I feel like every time a child, especially in the MCU, like, especially in the MCU, but I just hate child actors. They're usually so fucking bad. It just makes me not want to watch the movie anymore. Right. And was this I, was this an exception? No. No, yeah. no, no. Oh, there you go. I mean, this child actor was not as bad as other child actors in the MCU, let's be clear. But man, as soon as I saw him on screen, I was like, do we have to watch this movie? Yeah. I think do you just hate <laughs> children. Well, I mean, that's a given. Yeah. But especially sure. if they're acting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it gets boosted up right. by 10. Stop yep. that. Yeah. <laughs> Stop well, acting, please. Peter uh Peter runs out of the hospital in uh uh sadness, I guess. And <laughs> in anger. grief. In grief. <laughs> yeah. Uh Despair. and gets captured by a spaceship yes. uh, as as people often yeah, do when do. they go outside right uh with no witnesses especially in year 88 yeah but not before his mom hands him a present that will be important later yes very mm -hmm. important yeah uh 
It's a cassette. Um, yeah. Whoa, whoa dude, hold on. Come on. Come on. I know, dude. That was on. like the dumbest reveal of the movie to me. It's like it's like it's like popping. It's like propping. And now we're skipping all the way to the end. Sorry, guys, but Dan already, you know. But they're like propping this thing up. It's it's given to him in the first scene, and there's constant references to it throughout the entirety of the movie. And you're like, what could this thing possibly be? And it's just like a cassette. It's like who fucking cares, dude. I mean, well, come on, Quill you can't cares. you can't be looking at it that shallowly, though, right? Like, his mom gives him this cassette for 26 years. Right. All he has is volume one of this music set to remember his mother by. Right. And that he never opens up this other cassette. And then he realizes at the end when he opens the letter, he reads what she says, calls him Star-Lord. We get the reveal of how he gets his name. <sighs> and then he gets a cassette with more music to remind him of his mother. Yeah, it's like, stupid. Come on. I mean, but he would. Oh, but it's like, come on. No, but it's like a dumb movie. It's like, it's like why? It's like 26 years has gone by without him like having like the urge to open this fucking package from his dead mother. He just like needed to wait until the time was exactly right to do. It's just not real. It's it's like that's like some Marvel shit. It's like they marveled you with that fucking package, dude. Mm, I don't know about I that. I was marveled by the package. There you go. Yeah, anyway, well. that's 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 the end of the movie, folks. Yeah, we're guess, still at the yeah. beginning. Um. <laughs> anyway, so we're 26 years later on the planet Mora Morag, Mor Morag, uh, and there he is, Chris Pratt, the voice of Mario, still listening <laughs> Mario, to Mario himself. <laughs> Still listening to Awesome Mix Volume 1. Man, it'd be great if he had a Volume 2, right? What an impactful gift that would be to find out. Right, if, uh, yeah, if only yeah. he had that at this point. Unfortunately, <laughs> he does not. Uh, two shifts pull up. They're either tracking Quill or what he's going after. And then we see the orb. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This orb is very important. Very important. We don't know why it's very powerful. Yet. Yeah, you don't know why it's you don't know why it's powerful. You don't know what it does, but damn it, if people aren't looking for this bad boy. Star-Lord is a ravager. That's yeah. what he does. And he's going to get the bounty on this thing. Uh, you know, he talks with these uh, people who roll up and he says, you might know me by Star-Lord. And they who? Uh, I like that uh, nobody would address him like this later on as Star Prince as well. I like the I like that name as well. Yeah, uh, it was it was to, to to the to this movie's credit, I did I guess sort of uh, enjoy how the kind of character was written as a, a bit of a goofball. You know, it's like 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 he like he's he's. Uh, not taken as seriously as some of the other heroes and there's like sort of more of a comedic stint to the entire thing which i think like when it worked it worked pretty well but i would also say it fell flat a lot in this movie to me actual like a lot of the moments that were trying to like kind of be comedic were just like kind of cringe and weird to me but there were mm. like some genuine like Kind of like to that, to that, to that scene when he's just like, you might know me as Star Lord, you know? And it's like, and they're like, who's that? It's like, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of funny. You know, whatever the fuck. I didn't hate <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> and that's something that like James Gunn does a lot is he undercuts every single moment, every single scene with some sort of like comedic line. Sure. And after a certain point, it just gets old, you know, like. Especially if the joke isn't even written that well. Right. It's like, you know it's coming, so it just falls flat no matter what the joke is. Yeah, or it's like, sometimes it felt like jokes were sort of ham-fisted into scenes where they were like yeah. totally, completely unnecessary. Like... 
the tension, like it wasn't even that tense. So you didn't really need to cut the tension. And yet anyway, you still have someone being like, mm-hmm. you know, poop balloon or just some dumb shit. And it's like, wow. well, fucking yeah, like, I remember the poop balloon. I think, I, I think, movie. I think, I think it was, I think, I think it was, I think it was poop. Ah, it was tur- turd, turd, turd blossom. He calls the guy turd blossom at one point. And I was like that. It's like, you, it's, you, you just didn't need to do that. Like, it's not, you know, whatever the fuck. But, anyway. but how would they know that they're a turd blossom? Right. I guess. I didn't say. Yeah, I suppose they wouldn't if he hadn't yeah. said that. So. Yeah. So I think we get it now. Sure. Um, uh, we get a jump onto a ship. Uh, as he narrowly escapes until uh, Old Faithful cool. takes him and out. Can I, and, can, and can I say on this thing, too, like, I yeah. think that, like, the CGI actually pretty cool. Like, honestly, like, le- like legit, like a step up. I mean, you know, when he's, like, kicking the, you know, the little, like, rat things, like the yeah, rat lizard yeah. things, it's, like, it's obvious that it's CGI, right? Like, you know, I wasn't, like, oh, my God, it's so real. But it's, like, it was, like, serviceable and it worked well. Like, it's, like, kind of cool. Like, the, you know, all of the environments I thought were actually done pretty nicely. Like, um, but then it's, like, there's this one weird part, like, right in the beginning where it's, like, everything's, like, holding together really well. And then when he, like, does, like, the slow motion jump, it, like, cuts to a scene of, like, him from the front doing the slow motion jump. And it just looked so bad. Like, and it was weird because mm. it was, like, jarring from the rest of it. Because everything else, like, looks pretty good. And then he does this weird slow motion jump that, like, looks really shitty. And then he like lands and it's like back to looking good. It was just strange to me. I was like, why even yeah, I think have I, that? I think I had the same thought in the slow motion part. Yeah. It just like it it felt like some things were moving slow and then some things were just completely frozen. Yeah. And then some things were moving like normally. Yeah. So it wasn't like No, for sure. Way. Yeah, it was like it was like jaw it was just jarring because the rest of it was pretty good. And then you had this like this one like weird like five seconds of like what the fuck is this? And then it like kind of goes back to looking good again. It was just, mm-hmm. it just stuck out to me. And I do want to yeah. say that like the beginning of him just like messing around, dancing around with the, with the little reptile dudes and then like him activating his rocket boots. Like I really like the feel that they gave him and his gadgets because it yeah. feels like something physical that he has to do. Right. He's not like actually super powered. He just has these gadgets that he's used to using. Yeah. But it all feels like, uh, what's the word? Grounded. Yeah, totally. In an actual world. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I, I agree with that, too. Yeah, it's almost like yeah. kind of like reminiscent of like Iron Man when he was like first getting used to his gear, sort yeah, of. Exactly. But that, But it's like, but like, you know, he doesn't have like an Iron Man suit. So he's just perpetually in the state of like yeah. always being a little awkward whenever he uses it. Yeah. He can't automate it. It's yeah. all just him. Exactly. <clears throat> no, I agree with that. Yeah. I did like a lot of the worlds that they built for this movie, including Morag, but also like, uh, as we get into other parts of this movie, I just, the, the scale of the CGI and the worlds that they built were just really kind of insane in this movie. It was the really cool to see. Establishing shots are always really sick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. and I think that like I think that I liked about this one too, maybe if I have like a positive to say sort of about the art direction, like off the rip, is I liked how imaginative it was. Like mm-hmm. like there's just like like it's like super creative and like fun, like weird colors, weird set like even some of like the extras like in the background, like things that like it they didn't need to be fleshed out super well. There still was a lot of attention to detail to them. Mm-hmm. Like you'll have 
have like weird creatures in the background that like are only there for the one scene and you don't see them again for the rest of the movie but it's like they just almost kind of serve as a set piece to make the entire world feel fantastical or whatever and i think they accomplished that really well actually like like i i liked i liked the visuals of this movie more than i've liked them in any other marvel movie but you know we're gonna get grounded back to earth again pretty soon here and i will continue to be bored with the marvel visuals but i got a little respite from that this time around (laughs) yeah uh well as he uh narrowly escapes and goes through this kind of gravity battle as his uh ship is falling and he's trying to save it and he finally is able to escape we find out that there is someone uh in the ship and we get this great line uh where he says uh oh i forgot that you were there and i just wrote oh boy yeah uh was it needed i guess uh apparently so because she's the one who's going to answer the call for yondu right yeah no yeah yeah, they have to like establish in that moment and they kind of have to establish this in the entire movie that it's like peter quill fucks dude it's like and they they really want to make sure that you know it's like this like constant thing across the entire movie where it's just like yeah peter quill fucks aliens a lot and it's sort of like like it was kind of it's kind of weird to me i get like i i get it but also it's like you don't like really see any of that like in the movie necessarily i mean i guess there's like one sexual tension scene with gamora i mean there's more than one but there's like the one like big one where you know whatever (sighs) but like you don't really like see any indication that like you know peter quill is like a ladies man like running around doing lady but it's like other than the fact that it's just like referenced by everyone constantly like it sort of felt like this like jarring like i don't know it was like it was like chirality like it didn't like completely match up to the character we were being Wait, presented what is that with word? chirality it's like can uh you spe- can you spell that for me c-h-i-a-r-a-i-l-t-y probably i don't know i'm bad okay, at spelling I believe you it's great but yeah, yeah it's just like, it's like it's like you know it's like uh uh in, it's like incongruent like uh uh actions and behaviors you know it's like Gosh. you know yeah. Somebody reads a book. Uh, <laughs> I actually just played the video game Death Stranding. Anyway, back to you, Dan. Oh, oh there, there you go. go. <laughs> there it is. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, Yondu mentions that uh, Quill is only alive because of him. And then we uh, find out uh, in a little scene afterwards that he was cargo. We should have delivered him like we were paid to do. More references that Quill has a larger backstory than we're realizing. Uh, and, uh, now in this next, like, I don't know, five minutes of the movie, I don't know if you got this too, but I try to take notes of like where it's going, what the story is so we can kind of talk about it. But there was so much story crammed into the next five minutes of this movie that I had to rewind it twice to make sure I got all of it. Yeah. So we find out more about the Kree race. We get the first look at Ronin and his blue naked man as they're like dressing him. Find out that the Kree are against the Zandarians. Zandarians? Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, First look at Gamora and Nebula. We find out that they're daughters of Thanos. We find out that Ronin promises Thanos to retrieve the orb. We find out more about Xandar and that they're the home of the Nova Corps and that it's kind of future Earth-like, right? So, like, that's all within 
five minutes of right. like this story. Yep. It's yeah. it's a very quick catch up to why the Kree are kind of going after uh, Zendarians. Well, and I feel like even you saying that, it almost touches on a point, which is what I think is the perhaps biggest fault of this movie for me, is that, like, I, I felt like it kind of suffered from some pacing issues at points. Like, in order to get things moving along, like, they throw a lot of shit at you really, really quickly sometimes, and sometimes, like, the character motivations just, like, sort of of 180 like based around like one conversation you know it's like there's not like a ton of like build up to stuff it's it's kind of the series of events of just things continually happening and you know and you even sort of like see that with like Gamora when you know she's like uh like oh I'm gonna like steal the orb and then they're like hey fuck you you tried to steal the orb she's like no 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 you don't understand I only stole the orb because actually I don't like Thanos and then they're like oh okay cool uh it's sick all right come with us that you know there's like but there's like a lot of moments like that, that yeah really play into my uh into my critique of it for me it was more of just like the way that um a lot of exposition exposition would just come from these characters in really like just the most basic ways like the whole um the whole rivalry between gamora and nebula was set up in the most like amateurish way possible like they they were like just fighting from the get-go and it was very like oh he told me that I was going to do this job. And she's like, no, I'm better. And what's his face? Ron just like, no, you're right. You're better. And yeah, no, you're right. You're like better. His... You go. And then they're like, oh, yeah, now we're go. now we're enemies for the rest of the movie. And, yeah, I know. It was just like, and the whole the whole part, I mean, like, it's a little bit later, but um, the whole part where they get captured in the prison and then the dude just like reading off the description of like the origin stories of each of the guardians of the galaxy. Yeah. And I'm just like, you didn't need to do this. Like one of the one of the things I wrote down before that scene was I actually like how quickly all the characters have gotten introduced and the cast got together pretty quickly in the first like 15 minutes of this movie um and you get a good sense of the personalities of each of these characters without them having to really explain it you just get it from like the way they interact with each other and yeah. then they had to go and ruin that by giving us the list and <laughs> details and origins of all of them just like read off to us. And I was like, oh, okay, never mind. It is a Marvel movie. Yeah. And I think also sort of like to Dan's point too, and maybe this is, maybe I'm going to play the role of John for a moment and like bridge that. I think it is like, there are like moments in this movie where it feels like your hand is kind of being held when it doesn't necessarily need to be. And then there's other moments where it feels like they just sort of throw a ton of shit at you and expect you to figure it out. And they don't really like go over it again. It's like, and I guess, I guess that's kind of what I meant by, like, pacing. Like, just some of the ways that the story unfolds was were sort of strange to me. And I also kind of had some moments, like Dan was talking about, where I was like, wait, did I capture everything right? Like, I, like, 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 there's moments where I felt like I maybe kind of missed something amidst all of the other things that were happening. Yeah, it's an interesting balance, I think, that was trying to be struck here with this movie. Because, again, the Guardians of the Galaxy... We're not, I mean, this movie wasn't necessarily the most hyped up movie that came out in the MCU, right? We had just gotten Captain America and the Winter Soldier. We had, you know, Thor Dark World Dark before World. that. Uh, we had <laughs> Iron Man 3, right? We had like the Avengers, all these big like movies with characters that even people who didn't read the comic books kind of knew about. And so there was this 
kind of responsibility for James Gunn to make you like the characters versus just making you know their backstory, right? So it's like, you know, Captain America, you're not going to have to sit there and try to get you to understand why you like Captain America. It's more going to be focused on backstory, how he got there, all that. It's like Captain America is already an established kind of hero in the pop culture to an extent, whereas Guardians was a completely fresh take. And so I I know there were some pacing issues, but I think some of it was mostly focused around like getting you more screen time of just the Guardians on screen, talking to each other, interacting with other people. And I think that that's one of the things I noticed is that there was a lot of screen time for every character, at least mm -hmm. that was part of Guardians. Like yep. it wasn't just Star-Lord or like Star-Lord and Gamora go out and then Rocket and Groot or whatever left behind, you don't see them anymore, right? It was like every one of them got a ton of screen time through this whole movie. Yeah, and it did It did kind of feel like, I, I guess maybe to that point, I agree with you. I feel like uh, it probably did strike a good balance of sort of setting up like Chris Pratt as the lead, but like everyone else was still important. And it was yeah. like, it was like, it was more about the team, but also like Chris Pratt kind of at the helm of the team, but it wasn't really his yeah. movie. It was kind of every ones exactly uh well now we've uh landed on xandar all of them have come to hunt each other it seems like so we're getting a very quick build up to them finding each other right uh which takes us to uh, john's favorite part which is them getting captured by novacore and then reading out their descriptions which i also i also want to i want to say like in this thing too uh we get a classic uh 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 you got some air horns ready there dan Oh, yeah, of course. Here we go. <laughs> oh, it's Christian's Marvel movie grievance corner. Uh-oh, a cardinal oh, sin of Marvel go. movies appears uh, right around this thing where uh, Peter Quill shows up to give a guy an orb, the orb that he found at the beginning of the movie, but then he comes outside and Gamora's there, and he doesn't know Gamora yet, and she's like uh uh talking to him uh and he doesn't know that she wants the orb and then she gets the orb and then he just kind of like easily subdues her and gets it back which then sort of like begs the question like what like how strong is gamora actually like she has like another thing in this movie where it's like her power levels are way the fuck all yeah. over the goddamn place the entire time because she's like a living weapon, like captured by Thanos as a child and experimented upon to become like the greatest assassin in the entire universe, sent as his hand to carry out his will. But then it's like, he, like, like she gets like her feet like wrapped up by Star Lord because he like shoots like a little gun at her and it's like with like a bola attached to it and she's like, oh no, I'm incapacitated. And it's like, okay, well, is she? Like, like well, the greatest assassin on the planet is she like the living weapon or is she like an oafish goon number three who just gets like easily subdued by like weird star lord gadgets like okay, like which well, is it here's here's what i would throw into that is that one uh he's human well we find out later maybe only half human but what? uh the the expectation there is very minimal of what kind of fight uh, Quill is going to put back on Gamora, right? Sure. It's extremely minimal. She doesn't see him as an equal and so probably doesn't treat him as such when going after the orb. Um, and so when he does get her with that 
whatever the fucking electricity. The bola gun. The bola gun. Yep. Uh, she immediately takes it off. It's not like she's incapacitated for five minutes and he gets up to her and he like handcuffs her and all this other shit. It's like she immediately gets out of it, right? And then it becomes kind of a one v one v one v one v one, right? It's like all four of them are them fighting well, after the orb. So it's one v one. Yeah. Well, I guess so. Groot, but Groot's not really. I mean, Rocky really... and Groot are like boys, dude. They're not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except Groot is not always super helpful, you know, as he's drinking from the fountain or getting distracted. But uh, yes, that is, that is fair. So again, it's not like it's just Gamora going up against this uh, lame-o Star-Lord. But also Star-Lord clearly has been with the Ravagers for 26 right. years learning how to fight and and all this other stuff. But so also, do like, I think it was unrealistic? Like, wouldn't she know no. that? And maybe, okay, let's say hypothetically she doesn't know that. It's still sure. like, I'm kind of like... You know, and like this is like this isn't the only instance of this in the movie. It's just like it's like Gamora is like the like badass to end all badasses, total like you know insane like close quarters combat master, tough as nails, like whatever until until she like someone needs to like sweep her legs and trip her and then they just can't like it's like it's just it's it, it just happens a lot like to it, add on to that and i hate that this is like part of the way that i critique characters now because of you but like <laughs> here we go the, the the first time that gamora was shown on screen i don't know if it was, it was just like i haven't seen this movie in a while or i haven't seen gamora in a movie in a while like I remember her not being so goddamn skinny. And so, like, the entire time, I was like, I get that she's an alien, but she's so tiny. Like, I don't believe that she could take any of these dudes on. Yeah, but right, though, dude? Like, I mean, legit, it's a... Th dude, proportionally, Marvel has some issues with, like, how they fucking handle some of these fight sequences. Yeah, I don't know. I just... I had a hard time believing that she could fight any of these people off, even if she was an alien. So, maybe that's just me being tainted by Christian, but yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> well, because, because the thing is, if they're not going to be like big, you at least got to make them agile. But then when they like fail their agility checks throughout the entire movie, it's just like how yeah, they're the missing those QTEs. Yeah. They're missing the QTEs the entire time. And it's like, okay, well how the <laughs> fuck is this person getting anything done? Exactly. It's just when it's convenient for them to win, they win. And when it's not convenient, they don't, you know? Yep. Uh, well, anyway, so now they're uh, in a high-security prison called the Kiln. Uh, this is where we find out about Gamora's agreement to sell the orb to a third party. Uh, we also find out that Groot can only say, I am Groot, uh, and that the only person that seems to be able to understand him at this time is Rocket Raccoon. And so when he's saying, I am Groot, he is actually saying other things, but nobody can understand him except for Rocket Raccoon, which seems like a whole... Uh, Stewie Griffin on Family Guy kind of deal. Yeah. You know, that only Brian can understand him. Yeah, I've actually uh, never seen an episode of Family wait, Guy. My taste is yes, a little bit have. more refined than that. No, you have. You have, absolutely. I think everyone can understand Brian, no? No, no but it, yeah, okay, but yeah, but not but not any not everyone can understand Stewie. Oh, got you. Got Brian's yeah. the only one that can understand Stewie, See, which I have gathered from listening to Dan Ramble at length about uh, his favorite okay. show, Here Family Guy, a yeah, show I've never actually seen. Guy. Well, that's all untrue. So um, it's not even part of the MCU. So why would I watch it? <laughs> yeah, fair. Dude. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, we do get a uh, shirtless Chris Pratt. Yeah, and dude. He is oh, jacked. He's buff. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Batman um, got buff. 
Yeah, what's interesting is that this uh, movie was filmed in the middle of uh, the Parks and Recreation run, right? Obviously, he was also part of Parks and Recreation what's throughout that? its run. Uh, it's a TV show, actually, uh, made by Mike Schur and Greg Daniels, who, who? created The Office. Uh, Never heard of the it. U.S. version. Okay, great. Uh, and so what happened was he did a lot of this. In fact, I think all of this filming in between seasons of Parks and Rec. And then the season after uh, this movie was filmed, Chris Pratt came back to that show and was skinny and jacked. Yeah, jacked and yeah. uh, <laughs> and they uh, explained it away by saying that he didn't drink beer all summer. I know. Yeah, that was actually like a really funny <laughs> scene in Parks and Rec because they're like, he's, like, he like comes back and like one of the dudes is like, oh my God, like, we, like you're like ripped now. And he's like, yeah, I know. I stopped drinking beer. And they're like, how much beer were you drinking? And he's like, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. No. And that was the yeah. only nod to that in the whole show. Yep. That was really... I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, that was a nice little call uh, to the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, uh, movie filming. Right. Uh, now, Gamora, she's not so liked in this prison. Turns out everyone knows that Gamora is the daughter of Thanos, and uh, nobody seems to be happy about it. It's true. And uh, if you thought that you could get a Marvel movie without a damsel in distress being manhandled and having her face inappropriately touched by a large imposing <laughs> man, you'd be wrong because we also get one of those scenes in this movie too where Gamora is grabbed by the throat by Drax as he caresses her face sexually with his thumb. Uh, and I just felt like throwing that out there. It seems oh, yeah. like Marvel kind of has a hard on for scenes like this. Wait, I want to uh, go back though, because there's a really big, uh, a really big kind of, it's, I don't know if it's a plot hole, but it, it's like when they're being brought into the, the prison, uh, Gamora's like explaining to them that like, no, I just wanted to steal the orb because I was going to betray Ronin. Right. right? And it's like, why the hell would you ever give up that information to anybody, right? Because if you're going to betray someone who's super powerful, then, like, that seems like something you would keep a secret, but you're just going to tell to, like, these dudes you just met and that you were trying to, like, take shit from. Right, and I think for me it was, like, because I had a similar reaction. I'm like, why would you say that? And then why would everybody just automatically take that on face value? It kind of goes yeah, back to what I was too. saying about, like, there's, like, some weird pacing things in this movie that kind of, like, whiplashed me a little bit while I was watching it. And this is, like, one of them where it's, like, she's like, oh, actually, turn, it's, uh, hey, uh, I know we just met, but just so you know, the reason, like, you think I wanted it to bring it to, like, your enemy, but actually I wanted it because I'm betraying my enemy. And they're like, oh, well, why didn't you say so sooner? Let's go on adventures together. You know, it's like, it was just this, it was, it was fast. <laughs> it was this really fast thing that happened. I think what adds to it, though, is that people know who Gamora is across the galaxy, and the fact that she didn't just kill them was also an extra indicator that she might actually be telling the truth it doesn't seem like before this moment that she was one to take prisoners often right well, i don't know all those dudes are in prison they <laughs> yeah better. for sure yeah I mean, <laughs> she didn't kill them <laughs> right well and and also i would say that i mean because she has such a reputation i feel like it would actually do the opposite it's like everybody knows who she is no one seems to like her or trust her so like 
uh, wouldn't that just add to the amount of distrust? Like, she's not some random nobody. She's like a, you know, she's like, she's like a dude that kills people in the name of Thanos, you know? And she's just like, oh, but actually I'm, uh, shh, okay, but, but, but by the way, I'm actually betraying Thanos this time. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes complete sense. Like, that's fine. <laughs> you know, like, it just, it's weird. Uh, Well, uh, we also get, Gro I think Groot in this movie is probably the most brutal character uh, when it comes to taking out the enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this moment, he sticks two of his fingers inside this guy's nose and lifts him up into the air uh, to make it clear that no one should be touching Star-Lord. Dude, I thought he was going to, like, gore the dude's brains out and the, his brain fluids were going to eke out of his ear holes and his eyes, but then, like, nothing happened. I was yeah. disappointed. Well, I think if James Gunn were given actual free reign to make a rated You're R right. Guardians, he would have like popped that. He would have. I know. Done it. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we saw we we watched Peacemaker. There's a lot of yeah, shit yeah. crawling into people's heads and their brains exploding. So you know, yeah. with creative freedom, he likes that stuff. Sure, uh, but that's we, not uh, the only thing he likes. Anyway, back to you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. Uh, we also get our first look at Drax, uh, rounding out the Guardians of the Galaxy, who is played by Dave Bautista. Yeah. Uh he's a giant guy and he got all of that makeup put on him every single day. Like yeah, this it took wasn't like six hours of makeup every day, right? Well, or dude, like yeah. And something I'll say to you as like a positive to this movie, and I actually mean this like a huge positive. This gets like a ton of points for me, is like the amount of practical effects that they have yeah. in this movie, mm. like it's so fucking good. I wish that like more I like I wish they would like lean into that side of things more in Marvel because it's like, you know, the first Iron Man, we obviously got like, you know, practical effects with the suit. And then they like sort of like have been getting further and further and further away yeah. from that in favor mm -hmm. of like more CGI stuff. This one, it was like it was like the amount of just like even like the villain like ronin like like mm -hmm. in his makeup and shit like it was like it was cool like it looked good like i wish that there was more of that like i enjoyed that visually and i thought that drax the entire movie like he's like it, it's just cool it's cool to look at every scene he's in it's like it looks really good and they easily could have just also had him be a guy in a green suit and it would have made this movie worse you know like but they they chose not to and that was a great decision for sure i i agree yeah the makeup on ronin was like really you could see how it uh, like uh, went on his face. There were like bumps and totally. like it wasn't yeah. perfect. Yeah. It just, it looked really it nice. Was cool. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and Drax, Drax was similar. And I actually really yeah. like the, uh, the, the, the character of Drax. Like he's like, like uh, he kind of like reminds me of like a really, really buff dude with Asperger's. And that's kind of like the character of Drax. <laughs> Yeah, he says, uh, "Why would I put my finger on his throat?" Yeah, it's fine. Uh, it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like it's like no, it's like no, no, no metaphors. Very literal. Can't like you know, like 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 comprehends the world in a very sort of yeah. logical, mathematical way. And I think that like because I feel like Groot is almost sort of supposed to be like the. Like, well, and I don't even know. I would like, I was going to say Groot's almost like supposed to be like the comedy relief character, but I feel like in their, in their own way, they're all sort of comedy relief characters. Yeah. But, but I, but I guess the thing with Drax is that he's like, 
the anti-comedic relief character in the sense that like he, he like he doesn't does, get jokes. He does he doesn't possess the capacity to be goofy, so he's just the forever straight man to the wacky shit everyone else is saying and doing. And because of that, he kind of ends up being the funniest one in my opinion because like him yeah. playing off of everybody else's absurdity in this very sort of like logical cold kind of way just like worked really well i actually because when everyone's funny right then so is nobody's. drax because no one actually <laughs> is yeah no and i think that like a lot of the characters too had lines at various points i kind of cringed at a little bit especially gamora for whatever it's worth i'm like i don't know like fucking like and i don't know if it was just like the lady delivering the lines or whatever but i'm just like a lot of gamora shit fell really flat for me but i would say like drax like fucking hit it every single time yeah. he needed to hit it in the movie drax was there just fucking hitting it i appreciated it i like Drax. Yeah, I think that that's a good um, assessment of like the way the comedy works in this movie. And it the reason I think this movie stands out apart from like all the other MC movies that also trying to be like kind of goofy-ish, um, aside from like all of the alien uh, visual effects and stuff like that, is that this works kind of in the way that like a normal sitcom would work is that like everybody has their own like very strong personalities and the hu the humor comes from like their personalities bouncing off of each other right versus like if we take a situation between like Tony Stark and uh Steve Rogers and Bruce Banner they all kind of like make jokes in the same way because they're all kind of like sarcastic and like witty against each other so it's like one dude bouncing lines off of himself versus this one each person has their own like unique identities and the jokes are different between like each character totally and, and i, I feel works. yeah and i feel like a little bit like dan probably feels all the time uh when i think about like drax because i'm kind of like i want to see a scene like actually unironically like i want to see a scene of like drax and captain america to like see how that you know i want to see a scene of like drax and like iron man like like i'm kind of like like drax is maybe the first character that's been introduced where i'm sort of like actually like because you put like whatever captain america and iron man and they're talking to each other I, I don't really give a fuck like i'm not like sitting around wondering what that would look like you know it just it's like you know it's cool when it happens or but like drax i'm like you put him up against any character in the mcu we've seen so far and i'm legitimately interested to see how they would like write that scene what if i told you okay that one day oh. uh -huh. drax and Iron Man uh -huh. will have a conversation. You know what? I'd, I, I'd be looking forward to that. I'm interested to see well, how that goes. Oh, there we go. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I guess we'll see <laughs> if that's the one thing that'll keep you going through this entire podcast. Yeah, it was actually, this that... was going to be my last episode. <laughs> but hearing that, I think I got to keep it. Yeah. I think I got to keep it 100. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to. Uh, we're gonna jump past here the uh, the Thanos and Ronan conversation, uh, but obviously this is the first time we get a real conversation from Thanos uh, to anyone, uh, and uh, Ronan's relationship with Thanos is a bit at risk here because he has lost the orb to Quill and Gamora, uh, and even though Thanos now sends Nebula after them with Ronan, uh, Thanos still likes to throw in the jab that uh, Gamora is his favorite daughter. Yeah, uh, just dude, to make sure that like, Nebula is clear right about that. There, <laughs> Come on, I know. Yeah, yeah. And and look, the whole like Nebula Gamora Thanos relationship stuff is actually 
more spelled out in non-Guardians movies than it is in Guardians movies. And that's where I'll leave that. It's like, we're going to dive much further into this relationship in the future. Right. But they decided not to do that in this movie, it seems. Um, well, the Guardians are planning their escape, uh, but Groot doesn't know uh, what timing is and decides just to pull the battery at that moment, which sets off this giant chain of events uh and a giant fight where drax has now kind of joined the rest of these guys in trying to uh escape the prison uh which leads to just a, again a huge fight guns thrown everywhere i really like this because i think what's really interesting about this movie across all of it is how they choreograph such either big fights in this like kind of big area of the prison and also later on when we get to like the larger star fleet battle on top of Xandar and like there's just hundreds and hundreds of ships everywhere and how you like make all of that happen when 90% of it is CGI like right. how do you mm -hmm. how do you make all of that happen and seem cohesive and like make a storyline go through it it was kind of really interesting to watch all of that uh go through um but the uh, the artificial gravity gets turned off and uh I just I really like this scene. I thought it was uh it was cool to see uh all of them work together for the first time and uh, I like how they took the drones and the watchtower and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I thought it was neat. There was like one uh 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 can I get a little can I go a little air horn? Oh, 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 okay. Uh, wait, I no. Wanna, I want to guess what it is. I want to okay. guess what it is. Yeah, okay, wait, hold on. Okay. Cue, cue up cue up the air horn. Air horn really quick. Air horn? Yeah. Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome back to John's Can he guess what it is? Corner. Can I do it? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. So there's a there's a part where they're in the like the the, the main console area, mm -hmm. um, and they're about to like enact the final getaway sequence, and Rocket's like typing typing away programming shit, and the guards come over with their rocket launchers, and they're like, okay, group one, <laughs> fire. I know it. It's like one. Yeah. Okay, the glass starts breaking. Group two, fire. Okay, group two fires. The glass starts breaking more. Group three, fire. And they're like, guys, we don't have enough time. And Rocket's like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing it. Don't worry about it. Yep. And then he's like, all right, all guards, <laughs> yeah. all groups, e fire everyone. on mine. <laughs> Three, two, one, and then, and then they're able to get away. And it's like you didn't have to count. You didn't count down three, two, one for the other guys. Yeah, if you have every, and now? if you have everyone there with rocket launchers, just like <laughs> shoot the fucking rock. That actually wasn't what I was going to say, but <laughs> okay. uh, you know what? Yeah. That's a yeah. that's a very that's a very fair uh, gripe with that, and that is a very common Marvel movie trope, as uh, we have observed. What I was going to say. It's a much smaller nitpick. It's a, this is this is this is a little tiny piece of minutia that I didn't like. But when they're walking into the console room, there's this like shot where it's like panning up like to the door and they're all like posing like out in front of the door yeah. as it's going up and then the door opens and they're all like striking weird poses and then Hell they walk yeah. into the room afterwards and it's it, it was just like that's like that was for me that's just for <laughs> yeah, dan like yeah that's like, that it's was like, for me because even like you know if you have like a cool scene like like there's a scene later of them like walking down a hallway you know and it's 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 that very like oceans 11 style you know and i'm like but even that you can kind of like explain in the plot like maybe these guys you know they're just cool and they're just walking towards a thing and it's like a little mm. display of all their personalities or whatever but like it's like the like 
the like the logistics of that would be they would have to go up to the door <laughs> and then they all have to like get perfectly in their positions and then they have to like strike a pose and then they have to hold the pose like while the doors open and it's just like not a thing that is gonna happen in any like real realm of anything it's this like complete pure fantastical exposition shot that doesn't make any sense and had no reason to be there you're right. That is a giant nitpick. That's uh, unnecessary. Huge so, unnecessary. Uh, I, hey, man, I told yeah. you, I told you off the rip, but I noticed it. It stood out to me. I mean, I think what they were doing was they thought that a photographer might be on the other right. side, so they were like getting ready for the photo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it kind it just it just kind of it just kind of reminds me of like if you ever watch like you know uh, uh, a horror movie, like you know uh, uh, like you know Michael Myers is like chasing someone or whatever. But then when you actually like think about like the movement of the character and how it would make sense it's like you'd have to have this dude like standing still and then when someone runs he'd have to like book it out the back door and run all the way through the yard and then hop a fence and then like stand still and like wait for them to get out of the house and then they'd see him again and then he would have to like sprint down the street and like hop another fence and like jump through a window to get into this other hat like and when you start like breaking like how like why the fuck would the character move like that suddenly the scenes make way less sense this is just one of those examples where it's like the, it's like it, it was just like this this the movement of the characters doesn't make sense here to me i just noticed it uh anyway but that was for me yeah. it was for it was me. for Dan. so i enjoyed yeah. it personally uh <laughs> i then screenshot it and made it my phone background so Hell you know, yeah. i think they they did the right thing there for me um <laughs> uh so they're able to use the watchtower in the drones and they get out but but oh before they happen? can leave, that Walkman's not uh, 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 going to stay behind. And so Quill's got to go for that Walkman because there's also a second cassette tape, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew this. At the end, there's a second one. So we can't lose the Walkman now. It's integral to the story. So uh, he goes back for that and then flies back to the ship using his jet boots uh, and space helmet. And I think part it's of this jet is obviously boots to set up. and space helmet. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Space <laughs> helmet? You don't have one of those? Come on. Yeah. Uh, I did also think it was kind of interesting that the helmet was using seemingly nanotechnology, which yeah, I don't I think, think had been like fully like introduced it. yet in the MCU. No, I, so, I think Iron Man gets it uh, after... He doesn't get it till... Uh, like Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's clear that uh, they use it in uh, uh, Black Panther. Um. Uh, for his suit, he, the suit is made uh from uh oh. nanoparticles. Yeah, oh. it's stored in his necklace. Right. Anyways, yeah, we'll get yeah, to that yeah. at some point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and so uh, they're all on the ship. Gamora makes a comment about how the ship is really dirty, and then uh, Quill makes a statement that he said, uh, if he had a black light, his ship would look like a Jackson Pollock painting. It's, okay, hey, I'm reading about Jackson Pollock. <laughs> right. So, like, again, another example of this thing where it's like, yeah, okay, I get it, dude. It's like you fall, <laughs> I, I, you know. It's and then also like it's like it's like a Jackson Pollock reference was weird to me too because I'm like none of these people, none of these people know. Who like, Jackson yeah, is. it's like it's like these are like alien, and then Rocket Raccoon is just like, ha, 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 yeah, totally, you know, and it's just like what the fuck, like you wouldn't know like it's just it's just a weird thing to say and on top of that after after gamora says your ship is filthy she 
she climbs up the the, the ladder and it's like an upshot of Gamora's ass yes. as she exits the scene. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, after she had been manhandled by Drax, uh, yeah. which we brushed over again, but that's okay. I'm just saying they love to throw those weird ass fucking scenes in these movies. <laughs> Yep. And they do. Uh, it's like every single Marvel movie. It's like you have to have like a woman being like violently held down by a man as he sexually strokes her head somehow. It's like it's just it's just kind of, you know, and then we let our children watch these. Yes, we do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Yandu shows up at the broker uh, and we see the first use of his uh, arrow, which is a pretty cool weapon. Uh, I really yeah. like how uh, this weapon works. And uh, I thought it was, I don't know. I've never, again, read the comics for Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm assuming this is all like reference stuff from the comics in regards to like the arrow and how it's controlled and all that. But uh, I really liked it. It was super creative and how they did it. Uh, and we see more of this in future stuff too. Yeah, I couldn't. And, I, and, and still like, I can't, like, I can't tell if I think it's cool or if I think it's really cheesy. Like, it's like, it, it like I'm, 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 a, I'm actually split. And I think what it is for me is that like, I think the, the weapon itself is cool, but the whistling is cheesy. I think that that was the thing that like, cause there's like a scene later where it's like just ripping through everyone, like pew 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 pew, mm -hmm, like, and mm -hmm. I'm like that shit was tight. But I think that like the like, <laughs> like the entire yeah, time, yeah, yeah, it was kind of like I it's, think there's talent to it. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I was just well, like, it was a little, it was a little, it was a little cheesy to me. Would it make it any better to know that the only way he can do it like that is because that thing that's on his head that looks like a mohawk oh. is actually an implant that makes the arrow work? Well. I mean that doesn't really change. Does he have to do, like? No, does, he, it does. does he have? He has to, to whistle. He has to whistle. Yeah. That's like a part. That's yeah. a part of the implant. That's like oh, a lame I, implant, dude. I mean, he could probably like speak it instead. Yeah. But you know, it would just lead to him going, "All right, arrow, now go here. All right, arrow, now do this." Instead, he's like vocalizing while thinking what he wanted to do. Right. That would the actually. That's like a funny idea for a character where it's like. <laughs> Where he's like, talk to Siri he, yeah, he gets, he, to yeah, he gets like a super <laughs> weapon, but it's so strong that he's just like bored all the time. You know, he's like, all right, yeah, fucking okay, Dude, go just, arrow. It's like do, 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 do. one point, one punch man. Yeah, it's like yeah, he's that yeah, he's the one punch man of the MCU. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, we find out that the uh, collector is back. Uh, which was I think revealed first time at the end credits or mid credits of Thor. Uh, where they handed off one of the other right. Infinity yeah, Stones. Yeah, Dark World, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, the Guardians now arrive at Nowhere, which is a mining colony. And this it was fucking is cool. one of those By the big, way, I want to yeah. say, like, legit, yeah. like, like the severed head. They're like, yo, we, we, an, yeah, we yeah. had to, like, mine, like, the membrane and the spinal fluid. It's, like, really cool set piece. They fly inside the decapitated head. There's, like, big cities everywhere. Again, just, like, it's, like, it's a lot of cool imaginative stuff in this, which is a big credit I give to this movie. Like, visually, this movie did a lot more more for me than any other marvel yeah. movie has also uh can i can i clarify dan do you know um if because she says it's a severed head of a celestial being does she actually mean a celestial as we know them in the mcu that's what i gathered from it i didn't look it up directly but it does match to the scale of what we'll see in the yeah. eternals okay that's pretty fucking yeah. cool yeah, so I think this was kind of the first nod towards the Celestials, which will be addressed in 
a future phase four movie yeah phase four which is the eternals yeah they land in nowhere and uh they're kind of getting the lay of the land and uh it's told that nowhere is a lawless city and you gotta watch out because everybody's out to get you here um and some kids run by them and then uh uh, peter quinn's like uh 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 hey watch your watch your watch your pockets uh because there there are there are pickpockets afoot and then we just get this one weird scene like right after that where it's like all these kids are trying to like rifle through the pockets and then one of the kids is like looking at Groot and Groot like puts his hand out and like a flower grows out of his hand and to John's point like the shittiest child actor I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life stands there with this awkward plastered smile on her face and then reaches out and grabs the flower from Groot and, like, doesn't change her facial expression at any point and then just kind of, like, looks up at him and then the scene's done. And, like, what the fuck, like, wh- like what was that, Dan? Why, you you tell me, why did that need to, <laughs> like, how did that make the final cut of the movie? I didn't really get that. Yeah, that was a terrible child actor. I can't even. I can't. Even, I, I can't. I get the idea. The idea is to show that Groot is more than just growing twigs, right? Right. Like he can essentially grow kind of wild, like this plant life, sure. Which includes like flowers and later on, like this kind of bright light. Uh, it's uh, like bioluminescent, like, like yeah, spores everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, I got the idea, but the the I don't know, I don't know what the child actor was doing because it was like deadpan. That was, was yeah, like that was no that was, movement. Yeah, that was weird. Ha- like, yeah. No, what happened to like the the age of like the Haley Joel Osments or the Dakota yeah. Fannings or the Lindsay well, Lohans, dude? What, what happened to them go? is they all they all grew up to be drug addicts right. and like <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they you know, made art, dude. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah dude. Sure. Yeah, they were all fucking hanging out at Neverland Ranch. You know what yeah. I mean? And then, and, then, and then they grew up with like really serious issues, and now parents are like, maybe we don't want our talented kids in Hollywood. Uh, we learn especially uh, a lot not more in a movie director. By James Gunn. Anyway, back to you, Dan. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, we learn a bit more about all the characters at this point, kind of more about Gamora and the fact that Thanos had killed uh, her parents. Uh, we hear Rocket really kind of open up for the first time about not necessarily wanting to be what looks like a raccoon right. and being experimented on. Uh, we also hear about the legend of Footloose uh, and the people who don't dance with the hero Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Uh, yeah, yep. the, real, uh, the way that kind of uh, Quill hears or has heard of Earth stories without actually living on Earth. Um, so it's kind of interesting how he takes like Earth things, like talking about outlaws like John Stamos um, and Billy the Kid. Well, I think I, I don't think that's him like not knowing. I think that's him like making Earth stuff seem cooler than it actually is on purpose. You think so? Yeah, I think I he's know, just cause... like kind of lying his way into people's pants. Yeah, that was know? my that was yeah that was that was my take on it too. For whatever it's worth, like he was like, oh yeah, like you know, he's trying to like mystify his own origin story because he like wants to fuck Gamora. That's that 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 was yeah. that that was my read. That's what I thought too. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The way I took it was that he left Earth when he was a little kid and like maybe didn't necessarily grow up with all the concepts of like actors in movies and like how those stories are not based on real things. Right. Like Mm. 
I don't know. That's kind of the way that I took it, but I could see it going either way there. Yeah. So um, I'll take most of the win, but I'll give you some of it there. Oh, so. cool. Thank you. That's very yeah, generous of I you, I appreciate dude. it. Yeah. Well, you know, if there's one thing I am, it's vibrant. And uh, generous. And a genius. And <laughs> generous and a genius. Uh, <laughs> uh, and finally, we uh, get to see the collector again. Uh, who wants to buy Groot at the time of his death? Obviously, right. uh, he'll he'll go ahead and buy his body um, because he is a collector that collects many things. Hey, I would have taken up the deal. Yeah, you want <laughs> it the depends deal? Depends on how you much he was body? offering. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. gonna be dead. Yeah, I kind of uh, like wish we had gotten to explore the collector a little bit more because I just thought it was like it's like a cool character with like all these like fun curios around this room mm -hmm. and it's like but you know it, it's pretty it's pretty in and he was like hyped up at the end of Thor Dark World like and they, but the entire thing was pretty short lived you know like uh, because you know the the Infinity Stone pops up. Uh, his like slave servant lady like is like I no longer will live under the reign of your tyranny collector and then she grabs it and cannot handle the power and essentially uh, becomes a thermonuclear detonator uh, around this time uh, your boy Quill uh, uh, says the line uh, there's a little pee coming out of me right now which is uh, prophetic for some of the tweets <laughs> that James Gunn will be cancelled for later but anyway just keep that in your back pocket <laughs> Yeah, uh, also the part where he pulls the orb out of his pocket and then drops it on the floor and picks it back up, that was uh, not scripted. That was an improvised Chris Pratt fail that they left in the movie. Yeah. Uh, which I knew you were going to be really excited about that. Yeah, so I mean, fuck I it, yeah. It's, it's, good, it's, good, it's a good scene. <laughs> yeah, uh, and so a Collector kind of, uh, he opens the orb, but he also talks about the Infinity Stones again. We also see the Tesseract, and we see, I think it was Groot maybe, or I don't remember who it was, who like, waves their hand over the Tesseract to kind of reveal that inside of it is one of the Infinity Stones. And I don't know if you really caught that. I didn't. Or not in that moment. But yeah, it's kind of showing that these Infinity Stones, some of them are encased in other things because they can't necessarily directly be held on to. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, cause, because because right, so, as we come to find in this movie, if you uh, attempt to touch one, uh, you blow up if you are not worthy of wielding the power. Yeah, and this is a pretty consistent theme that they keep across the Infinity Stones throughout the movies is that you're generally never going to see just the stone by itself. It'll be in some type of contraption that holds the stone in place yeah, until Horcrux. it's... Yeah, for, for all Harry yeah. Potter fans out there. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I want to watch Harry Potter again. Anyways, um, so <laughs> new podcast, dude. <laughs> new podcast. Yeah, please. Harry shit. I, <laughs> I don't think that that's shit. what we could name. I think, it. I think, I think, I think that's the name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during all this and while the explosion happened, Drax is calling Ronan into place. Uh, Yondu also shows up in this moment, and we have a kind of first intersection of all of these people being in the same place at one time uh, so that Drax can get his moment to take down Ronan, uh, which doesn't go so well. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> the explosion. Uh, this is where I will say uh, this was a giant explosion. And the fact that Gamora and Star-Lord were unscathed in the tiny pit mm -hmm. yeah. that's four feet away 
uh, is something that was popping out in my brain because of you, Christian. It's a Thank you so classic, much because uh, I and it's it, it's a classic happy Iron Man three style explosion <laughs> where it's like you're at the epicenter, everything else is like reduced to ash around you, other than like the two important main characters who just survive it miraculously, and no one really dwells on it, and we just kind of keep moving. Well. I mean, we find out later that Peter Quill is not full human, so maybe right, because yeah. of the other half, right. he was able to shield himself and Gamora, and that's how they live. Yeah, yeah. And the question is, what is the other half? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, that is the mm. question. That's a pretty. That's a pretty interesting question that I hope we'll get oh, answered someday. Oh, we will get the answer someday. Uh. <laughs> Uh, okay, so this is where it picks up on a kind of long uh, uh, action sequence of ships flying and bumper ships. They're playing bumper, bumper ships. ships because the ships that uh, Rocket and uh, Quill are flying don't have guns on them. So they're they're playing bumper ships with all the other cars that are out there or cars, ships uh, that are there. I did like one part of this where uh, I think it was maybe Quill who like flew his ship inside of one of the other ones and then like took over the controls and started shooting the other ships that were coming towards it. Yeah. I thought that that was just That's like cool. an interesting thing to add to this kind of scene that would be normally just kind of a chase sequence. Yeah. Right. No, and I agree. Um, and I mean, there, it's like this whole sort of thing. It's like, you know, it sort of shows like the enormity of the like battle mm -hmm. that's happening. And I like that the Marvel movies have been trending more towards that. Like things feel big, like this very big scene. Like, you know, they're sort of like going through this like sprawling city with explosions and more ships coming. And it like, it all feels like, you know, there's gravity towards the situation, you know, a real actual sense of impending danger. Like how are they going to get out of it? And as we, uh, uh, come to find, um, uh, uh, they, uh, get out of it by exiting the ship, but not before Gamora, uh, ends up being blown up and thrown into the cold, vast, unforgiving darkness of space. Yeah. It's a very sad moment. You know what? Quill's not going to let this stand. So he yeah. goes out to save her, puts the helmet on him, but first calls Yondu. I thought that was another example of that, like, character arc whiplash, where it's like, it like, Quill, like, I'm like, you, like, just met this motherfucker, and it's like, it's this thing where it's like, you know, I guess they're just trying to establish that Quill's, like, such a great guy, you know, he's just such a good dude, he's not gonna leave anyone behind, but it's, it, like, it was still just kind of, like, it felt sort of weird to me, like, it's like, you just met this fucking person, like, you know, you, uh, and now you're, like, willing to die for the sake of, like, you know, resuscitating her, and, you you know, in fact, sort of put your entire party at peril because you're, you know, calling into the people who uh, are trying to, like, claim a bounty on the thing that you have or whatever. It just felt like it all happened kind of quickly. Yeah, but I mean, that's also why he wasn't with the Ravagers anymore. He clearly was kind of taking his own path. He wasn't as kind of 
uh, brutal as the Ravagers were, and we see that clearly through the film. They also had a moment right before this. They're talking about their parents being dead and, like, not part of their lives. And right. So I think there was a lot of good buildup in this moment to kind of justify it. But he also knew that if he told Yondu where he was, that he would be there within minutes to be able to take in Quill and where he was. Sure, yeah. Right, because they were already mm -hmm. close to each other anyway. So it was a quick trip for Yondu to come and, and get them out of a uh, space like that. Um, and also we know again that he's not full mortal, which is why he we could, do know uh, that now, withstand yeah. that. Yeah. Um, because there are some moments here. You're like, wait a minute, if he's human, he'd probably be dead by now. Yeah, he would just and pop. then, you know, yeah. So he would, he would take uh, the mask off and it would just go. And then that would yep. be it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is where Ronan now is going to go back on his deal with Thanos because he says, why should I give the stone to you and I can just use it myself? Uh, and then he adds it to his staff. And now we've got another staff. Another and, and, and a staff that <laughs> suffers similar problems. I might add. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. No, staffs no, in this game, dude. So. Game in this, in uh, this, in this, in this, uh, uh, game of thrones movie. Anyway, back to, uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> Yondu's about to kill, uh, kill Quill. Uh, volume movie, two. Also, all, alternate <laughs> title for this movie, Kill two. Quill. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, he's able to convince Yondu that they somehow have another plan that's going to get them a ton of money, so they shouldn't kill Quill. Volume, volume two. two. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Rocket, Groot, and Drax show up, and they're like, "All right, you've got five seconds, or else we're gonna blow up your ship." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was, that was uh, a nice. Yeah, that was a nice moment there. Um, and this is where we finally get like the guardians moment, right? This is like every one of them sitting around in a circle, figuring out what they're going to do and how they're going to work together as a team. Uh, Quill has 12% of a plan, uh, which Groot states is better than an 11% of a plan. So, uh, this is where, yeah, yeah it's, it's true. And Chris Pratt gets his, uh, monologue moment. Now it's not a, Captain America monologue, but uh, it was pretty good. I liked seeing them together in this moment. Were they really... I felt like this moment felt good enough to justify them coming together as a team. Yeah, I would... I mean, I would, I would also say that it's like another kind of thing for me where this felt like the pace moved along really, really fast like during this moment because... He's essentially sort of like, okay, we need to like, okay, I lost the stone and that's not good. But if we don't do something, then, uh, then, then Ronan's going to do nefarious deeds with the stone. So we need to do something about that. And everyone's like, fuck that. That's insane. You're crazy. Not, you've gone too far this time, Quill. And then Rocket Raccoon is like, you're, you're basically asking us to die. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I guess I am. And then they're like, uh, "Okay, cool. Well, I guess when you put it like that, I, I, my position is flipped, and I'm, I'm good with this now. Let's continue." And it was just like, again, fast, like really fast. Like, you know, I feel like yeah. there wasn't a ton of build up to them just all completely changing their minds and just like going forward with what they assume to be a suicide mission. 
Well, they also didn't have a ton of choices at that moment either. I mean, they didn't, but like, but like up until that point, I mean, like Rocket's whole like prime directive is like saving himself and like, you know, his, he's like, let's get to the furthest side of the galaxy that we can try and live out our natural, you know, whatever. And then, uh, he's like, okay, well you need to die for this mission rocket and rocket's like, well, I guess I don't have that much longer anyway. So sure. You know, it was just like, it was just sort of like the opposite of what, of what rocket had been doing the entire time. And then it's like still kind of the opposite of what Rocket does afterwards. Like it was just this weird deviation from what his character is. And but it was very convenient. It was like it was he had a change of heart conveniently right at the moment a change of heart needed to occur so that the plot could continue moving forward. Well, no, I sure. think that I think that he had a change of heart like when he uh Groot and Drax decided to go back for them in the first place. Like, I feel like that was his turning point, and then everything after was just, like, him on that path. Sure, on team uh, suicide mission. On team suicide squad. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The original, uh, the inspiration. Yeah, the original. Uh, well, this is it. This is the big uh, climax fight of the movie. Hell yeah. This is, they are all heading towards Xandar. They are there. The Ravagers arrive. Ronin arrives. Nova Corps uh, is uh, evacuating the city. And now the Nova ships are heading into uh, uh, their, their uh, what do you call it? They're not outer space, but they're... Inner space. Inner space. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're in the atmosphere. atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> they're heading into the atmosphere. Uh, and... This is where this kind of big shot, one of kind of the planet, Nova planet, but also seeing the scale of all the ships that come out of there, all the ships that come out of Ronin's ship, uh, plus all the Ravagers. Like, this is where I was just, I don't normally think much about, like, the CGI or, like, how it's all done. I'm more just kind of taking in the story. But in this moment, I was just like, I don't know how... You can, I mean, because I've seen credits of these movies where it's, you know, hundreds of people working sometimes on these CGI moments. And it's like, how do you choreograph something like this? Like, how much time and effort does it take to know where each ship is going, how it all interplays, like where they are each moment in time compared to where they are, like in the scene before? It was really, really kind of a, a big, cool scene where that really hit me. And I think it's because of doing this podcast with both of you who uh don't enjoy the uh, uh magic of these movies sure. and more so are looking hey, for the I like, uh, technical I like details <laughs> no i know i'm just i'm, I'm joking <laughs> yeah. but anyway i don't I thought enjoy this was, the magic um, of these movies i feel like i feel like you nailed me spot on i actually yeah, i yeah, actually yeah. Uh, aggressively dislike the magic of these movies i, know, I see them trying to create magic and it makes me angry yep so, uh, yeah, I, I just I really liked seeing how big uh, uh, at scale this this whole fight was. Um, and it felt uh, more realistic, I think, than than maybe other things in the past. But like it just. Yeah, it was a really big. Yeah. Cool. Scene. And I, I, yeah, I actually I actually agree with that. Like, I mean, legit, like I thought uh, this like whole sort of climactic finale, I think, was handled pretty well. I uh, we've seen it handled worse in other Marvel oh, yeah. movies like this was this was this was a pretty solid act three. I will say like something that 
kind of you know and again my 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 emerging theme of like fast moving pay like plot things like you know like ronin like gets the infinity stone but like you know the guardians of the galaxy up till that point it's like it's like they just became aware that infinity stones even exist right like like before they had no prior knowledge of this and now you know this dude has it and it's kind of like odd to me that they all just sort of hop into like <clears throat> like it's like okay like ronin has the infinity stone and it's bad but it's like they just like kind of know that he can wield it somehow and they like know that it's going to like you know cause doom when he does and they like you know sort of just like know that like he's going to be like on this ship with this thing and they know that like they need to keep him in the sky because if he actually makes it to the ground then the real bad shit's going to happen like there was just like kind of a lot of like logic leaps there for me when the only experience they had had with the infinity stone was someone touching it and dying you know like it was just this sort of like they suddenly kind of had all this esoteric infinity stone knowledge and it's like and then this like this final scene their whole thing is that like he can't make ground fall and they're like because if he does then everything gets like fucked up but it's like well, no they got all that knowledge from the collector I mean, they showed that they could use the Infinity Stone to destroy the planet by touching the stone to the ground. Like, that was all things they showed during their time at the Collector. Yeah, but that was just, like, some other guy with the stone. Like, so is, like, the logical leap then, like, Ronin is, like, just the same thing? Like, I mean, again, like, like I'm just saying there's sort of this, like, magical artifact that they've never come into contact with before, and then they're just sort of supposing that, like, if Ronin gets the stone, it's not going to blow him up, he's going to be able to wield it, and then he's going to be able to cause, like, the same levels of destruction as everything else but like they don't like really know any of that because yeah. like the infinity stone is like a completely unknown thing to them up until that moment and then they're just sort of certain about like what the impacts of it are going to be well i have so another concern that i had was that like um every time something happened with the guardians um somehow like the ravagers would also end up knowing how like what they were up to and also ronin would know what was going on because like as soon as ronin got the orb it's not like he was there with um with the guardians and the collector so it's not like he could have known that the orb had an infinity stone in it but then like when he's talking to thanos he's like well now that i know that the orb has an infinity stone in it i'm gonna keep it for myself but it's like nobody told him that that was that's what was going on and then also there there was like a mention of um i think it was either quill or gamora told yondu was like yeah but like we we can't like give this to to ronin because it has infinity stone he's like i know what's in there or something like that and it's like how did how nobody told you well no but it seems like Infinity stones are not unknown in the universe. Yeah, but right? nobody like, except the collector knows that the orb has an infinity stone in it. How do you know that? Because because nobody... th there's multiple people that are already going after it, and they're not just going after it well, because they, it's an know, orb. All they know is that it's valuable. Even Gamora didn't know it. Like even Ronan didn't know at the beginning. But then, like as soon as Ronan gets it, somehow he's like, "Now I know it has an infinity stone in it." That's the only, that's mm. what he learned was when he got yeah. it, but it's like, nobody told you. I don't see Yondu 
just going after something because someone says it's valuable like I think I, that's exactly what Yandi's. Yeah, I feel like I feel is. like that's his whole thing. I'm actually going to yeah. butt in here for a moment and say that's literally mm. why he goes after things. That's his character. I think that yeah. he's more tuned in than we're giving him credit for. That's what I think. I think that they've been doing this for clearly at least at least 26 years right. when they picked up, but Quill, like not long right? enough for him to like not fall victim to a bait and switch right at the end. You know. Yes, True. exactly. So, like, yes. you know, I mean, I like, 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 I, it, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it's like pure profit-driven thing, but he is still kind of bumbling he, in his own right. But he also just saw that when you open it up, that it can literally destroy. Not and what he saw, though. What he saw was that when you open it up and you touch it, it can like, which is the reason he decides to open it again, like right at the end, because he know, like, he saw the whole thing, so he knows if you don't touch the stone, you're fucking gravy. I mm -hmm. also think that that was a soft spot for Quill because he, even when he opens it up, he's not angry or upset, like. I think that that's him also kind of protecting Quill to an well, extent. I thought that I he's thought not going to go and kill him. at the little, what is it called? The little uh, troll, the troll doll. doll. Yeah. yeah, the little yeah. troll. I thought he smiled because he was like, oh, like, I taught him so well. He learned from me. And like, good job, Quill. Like, that's my I think my it was, boy. yeah, partially that too. Yeah. But I think that he wasn't ever actually going to kill Quill, volume two. Yeah. I agree. I don't no, think, I don't think, I don't think yeah, he was going to kill, kill Quill, Quill volume, volume two. two. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so I guess okay. we all agree. <laughs> yeah, I guess we all agree on everything. Um, the Nova ships with the giant shield formation. Uh, I I really, I, I like this. I thought it was a cool use of the way that the ships were designed uh, and a cool way to keep the ship from kind of making its entry down onto the ground. Uh, and this allowed uh, the team to get into Ronin's ship uh, and Groot makes a human kebab with people again mm. being the most brutal character yeah. in this uh, movie. I really, I really like just uh, how James Gunn was clearly trying to push the envelope as far oh, as yeah. he could for PG thirteen, uh, and I thought that he did a pretty good job of doing that uh, without being able to actually explode heads. Yeah, I li I liked the uh, the human kebab part, like. That was like probably my equivalent of like how other people felt in the Avengers when Hulk like smashes Loki around or whatever. Like that did mm -hmm, nothing for mm -hmm. me. But when he like shish kebabs everyone and is just slamming them into walls, that would that that was fun. I have a soft spot in my heart for people being impaled, uh, and I'm glad that we got that in this movie. Yeah. Oh, no, good. What well. I really liked about the uh, about the final like fight scene was. I don't know if this is just like me being nostalgic for this type of thing, but um, when they're like all in their spaceships and everyone's shooting at them, there's like a bunch of things going on and it seems like they're being overwhelmed. There's no way out. And then like the music cue changes and you see like other ships coming out of nowhere and firing at the enemies. And then it's like, Oh, reinforcements have come. And it's like the close up of the, of the uh, Zandarian dude and he's like yeah we got your back and it feels very like star fox yeah, you know? yeah. totally dude yeah 100%. it's very star yeah. fox and i don't know that just always hits me whenever that happens yeah but yeah um, except none of them did a barrel roll so none of them did a barrel roll no none of them screamed 
you'll never defeat Andros. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we also, uh, they start uh, uh, dive bombing the planet uh, and people oh, yeah. are getting yeah. fucked up and we get uh, uh, another uh, classic uh, air, air, air horn. Can we get a little? Can we get a little? Yeah, here we go. Whoa, hey, what's up? It's Christian's classic Marvel trope corner. We get a child in peril at this point, uh, which <laughs> didn't even really, it, and, and actually that is Jonathan Riley's uh child as you will come to learn later but you don't know it at this mm -hmm. point um like uh <laughs> Riley. yeah it's your boy dude uh but <clears throat> you don't know it yet but um you have a scene where everybody's dive bombing the planet and if the stakes aren't high enough uh also we get a close-up on a child who uh-oh that's gonna be in danger and so if you thought that ronin was the kind of guy that spared women or children we get a nice establishing shot showing you that's not the case and he's actually just as evil as you think he is and you've and it's been implied but you haven't seen the danger in front of you until this point yeah but uh sure. he doesn't give a frankly a hoot he does not give a hoot about wow. uh, yeah not a wow, single wow, one wow um and uh yeah and they're like oh no what are we going to do and then of course he uses his staff to blow a hole in their defensive barrier and now shit's gonna pop off maybe um yep. i forget is that before or after the guardians go into the room doesn't he blow up the barrier and then they get there or do they get there first and then he defeats them and then they blow up the either way it's this is this is a this is a classic staff moment where it's like <laughs> what the fuck does this thing like do because it's kind of like okay it has like the destructive power to like destroy um the entire planet as we know but also when the guardians of the galaxy come into the room he's just sort of like shooting energy orbs at them that are just kind of incapacitating them but then he like fires like a missile thing at like the web that's around his ship and it like blows it up but it's already been established that he's like really into murder so like why wouldn't he just like kill them but like he needs to like get to the planet and like stick the staff into the ground to blow the planet up but then like that's not coming from the top of the staff anymore that's like a bottom of the staff thing that now needs to happen but couldn't he just like blow them up but like he like doesn't but it's like he's not like he like wants them dead and they're and they're all there and then they're in and then instead of like finishing them off he's like monologuing like the whole thing was kind of a mess to me like i didn't really understand yeah. what the fuck was going on and then he just sort of leaves them to their own devices as he exits the ship it was very strange it was just weird yeah it was like two separate things happening yeah. in the same location yeah yeah i agree well, uh, so the ship is now falling. Okay, towards nothing, nothing, Xandar. nothing to say about that, Dan. <laughs> I'm not, blow I'm past not. that. Okay, no, because you understand it all. You just don't like it necessarily. No, ju like, just like when you happened. look at it with such critical eyes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I, I sure I could pick apart any one of those things you just said. Mm -hmm. Like totally get it, understood. I could also say that maybe he didn't do a giant explosion to kill the guardians because. He's standing there on the ship that needs to make it down to the planet and that the staff wouldn't necessarily prevent fall damage 
for him, like if he were to get exploded out of the ship and fall down onto Xandar, that he would just survive because he has the staff. So maybe that's why he doesn't create an explosion that would kill the Guardians. Just a thought. I don't know. Um, it didn't necessarily stick with me the way that it stuck with you, clearly. Clearly, yeah. I think that you're just mad that Christian has taken a prover proverbial Loki's rod to your Xandarian <laughs> defense yeah. and blasted a hole through yeah. I don't think that's what happened. Um, now we get to probably uh, Christian's favorite part of the movie, uh, where Groot realizes that they are falling towards the ground right. and they're going to need to... Mm -hmm figure out a way to survive oh boy. and so Groot grows a giant uh tree circle thing around them to shield them from impact right uh where the first time ever he says we are Groot. dude seriously like i like i and you're right to call this out dan i fucking hated that <laughs> like I know. I, I know i just knew you would i just knew because it's like it's like Groot's like a fun character, like legit. Like I know I'm kind of like you know, uh, uh, whatever, like shitting all over this movie. But it's like Groot. But like Groot is fun. Like I probably like Drax more on the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. tier list. But Groot's like sure. a close second. Like it's fun, and I sort of like the like you know the I am Groot like component. Like it's you know it's it, it's simple and it's cheesy, but like it works and it's endearing to the kid. You know it's like it's fun. Rocket being the only one that can understand the various components complexities of the three words like it's kind of cool you know i don't know and i feel like in that moment you could have just had another i am Groot. like you like you could have done that and and i almost think that like it would have worked in like sort of the james gunn humor realm that way too you know where like it sort of would have been its own kind of tension cutter because like as they're falling to their death and he knows that there's a chance that he might not survive his his final words are i am Groot," and it like you know it's sort of like whatever but then just like the we are Groot thing like just was cheesy like but it was like not like fun cheesy it was just like silly <laughs> like i didn't like it very much okay okay, wow. but, okay would would you think that the scene would be better if everything's crumbling around them and then groot's like oh no i gotta save everybody and then out of nowhere an Iron Man suit flies right. onto Groot. <laughs> flies onto Groot, right? Uh -huh. And then he climbs then, yeah. over them and holds <laughs> exactly. them as they're like exactly. plunging to Earth. Oh, yes, God. that would have okay, been right. better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. Okay. Now we're down on the surface of Xandar. No, come on. I'm, I'm no. actually, I'm actually curious though. Uh, legit, Dan. Uh, did you like that part? Like, like, did you feel like that was like appropriate? Like, uh, you know, yeah, it was a nice, like whatever sappy kind of like yeah. friendship moment of Groot stepping outside of his normal, uh, cadence to show a kinship with the rest of the group. And maybe that, you know, we don't know a lot about Groot's background that maybe their language is to only say one thing and leave it all up to, whatever i don't know interpretation but maybe that or maybe he's like a hodor yeah like yeah. maybe that in this moment he felt like he could reveal more of himself in this moment to show that he was uh build, building this relationship with these people enough to be able to save their lives at the cost of his own like that's the way that i took it yeah. being someone who maybe could look into more of the magic versus the technical detail sure. of the of the scene at hand but i think i think i think him 
creating the shield already did that though like like that's like it's like it's like the whole character arc that you're describing like he already accomplished that by put and then put it and then like and then like the spores like the bio it's kind of pretty inside i, you I know? think it's the difference between him being a weapon or shield versus him being a friend yeah that's what the way that i get it because it's like all of those other things you just mentioned are tool sets Right, they're just things that he's doing to provide a tool set of options to the people he's working with. That doesn't necessarily outline friendship in that moment. I see. I I feel like the friendship component <laughs> came from because I actually agree with that point, but I have one stipulation, which is that uh -huh. like. If it was just the shield, then totally. I think that that's fair. But I think the fact that he, like, put, like, the spores, like, inside of the little shield thing, and it's all kind of, like, you know, magical and nice, and he's sort of, like, solemn while they're all fought. Like, that seemed like the friendship gesture to me, is that it's like, it's like he, like, created this thing, and then he sort of created this magical moment inside of the thing, like... I already sort of got that that's what was happening before the we are group. Like it, like I almost feel like it like pushed the point a little too far for me where it was like, it was already sort of established that that's what was happening. I didn't need like extra establishment on top of it. It's like, I already sort of well, understood. I did. Okay. Well, I needed it. So, so like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to take this in a different direction. So like uh -huh. the fact that Groot was able to change the phrase, I am Groot, to we are Groot shows that he has the capacity to speak other people's languages, but just chooses not to the entire movie. And it's like, how long have you been riding around with Rocket Raccoon while Rocket's speaking English and everybody else in the galaxy also seems to know English, but you're just here like the asshole who doesn't want to change his language to like be able to communicate with other people. But like, obviously you can, you changed I to we, and you yeah. understand the concept or... of I and we. Or maybe it is something that is again. Oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not gonna go. No. You know <laughs> no, what? No, 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 I, going, I think we've going. gone. Way, no, 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 no. I can't. I can't do it. We've gotten way too far into this. We'll create another podcast episode just to talk about this one. <laughs> um, okay. All right. They make it to the ground. Now we're gonna go to a very special, exclusive, one-time only Dan's nitpick corner. Oh, shit. Whoa. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the dab. You're very welcome. You couldn't catch it on the boat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, when they get to the ground and they show the kind of impact of the ship and everything else, I, I don't know why, but the Groot remains felt super cheap to me. They just looked like twigs. And like mm -hmm. Groot, when you look at him, he's more than just twigs, right? He's got like armor pieces. Like he's kind of built out to have like different styles and stuff. But if you look on the ground when they land, it's all just straight twigs on the ground, like pulled directly off of a tree without any shape or turns or curves or anything. And so I just, something felt cheap about that. Even when like a uh, rocket picks up some of the remains of Groot, they're all just straight twigs. And I don't know if that's maybe the magic of the way Groot is Bill, whatever I'm making it up, but it's like, I don't know. I don't know if you noticed that too, but they were all just straight lined twigs on the ground. And there was a lot of them that didn't catch on fire. That didn't right. like, 
do anything. They were just twigs on the no, ground. No, I did absolutely notice that for whatever it's worth. Like, um, it, it sort of struck me as like Groot's remains. Like if you were to pile them all back together, you wouldn't be like remaking a Groot. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it would be exactly. like some other shit. Like, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. It would have been, it would have been cool if there had been some like, you know, just like gore, but like Groot gore, like not like gore, like, you know, a fucking severed head or whatever, but like, but like, you know, like what the Groot sort of equivalent of that would be with like gnarled logs or like, yeah. you know, chunks of wood or whatever. But yeah, it was all these like similar sized individual like pickup sticks, like just sort of everywhere yeah, exactly. scattered in the area. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It was a little strange to me too. Yeah, and really neatly laid out, too, yeah. by the way. Like, they were all in the same direction. I don't know. It was just really kind of a weird thing to kind of take away from Groot's death, almost. Yeah. It, uh, it it felt kind of cheap there. Uh, Ronan steps out. He names them the Guardians of the Galaxy. This is your Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. And a big Ronan speech, which... Yeah, and uh, I actually stood up and started <laughs> clapping as soon as he yeah, said that. I know. I could tell. Yeah. Uh, and then you got interrupted from your clapping with Peter Quill dancing and singing yeah. along to the background. You know, can I actually uh, hit you with a little bit of a contentious take right now? Airhorn, please. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Welcome back to Christian's contentious take corner. Um, I actually liked this. I thought that this was nice. a... Wow. I thought, I, you know what? I actually thought, like, given everything we had seen in the movie up till this point, I felt like it was mm -hmm. a totally... Because because you run into an issue w with something like this, where it's like, okay, like, so, like, staff, power level, weird shit aside, right? Like, you, like, you have this thing, this being of untold power in front of you right now. So it wouldn't really make sense to have, like, a duke out where then they, like, win. Again. It's like... It's like, you know, they, they sort of established that it's like, okay, he got the Infinity Stone. He is so strong now that, like, you know, the most powerful beings in the universe couldn't possibly hope to, like, contend against him. Um, and so I think it would have been cheap or weird if they had tried to do a, like, okay, but but Peter Quill is the one guy that despite all odds can, you know, like win in this thing. It's like, they sort of had to abandon hope of actually like besting him in a combat scenario, but it's sort of been established the entire time that like, Peter Quill, it's like, he's kind of goofy, he's quick on his feet, he's like always sort of coming up with whatever the next thing's going to be, and the dancing scene, like, I think it worked really well, because it was sort of like weird, but it was also kind of like funny in the same level of humor that the entire movie had sort of been presenting up till that point, and it was like a very in-character thing for Peter to do, and it was like a completely appropriate solution to the problem that the Guardians of the Galaxy had in front of them, which was that none of them could possibly hope to fight uh, 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 Ronin now in his like supercharged state. So I thought it was like actually, and it was like very different than the general kind of climactic finales of other Marvel movies up till this point which 
still sort of stuck in character with like who you know you, uh, the star lord is or whatever the fuck so like i actually thought i thought this was good like it was a good end to the whole thing and one more little thing i'll throw on top of it too is that even though it was weird it felt appropriately climactic like even like mm -hmm. Because something like that, I think, could kind of kill the buzz. I mean, I think we even saw that a little bit in, like, the first um, uh, Captain America movie where I was saying, like, Red Skull. It's like the fight had been hyped up for so long that then the fight happens. Yeah. And it's like it's so quick and it, like, it, it didn't maybe necessarily feel like it did Red Skull the justice I would have liked to have seen. But this, like, yeah. it's like it still showed Ronan's power. It sort of showed the strength of Peter Quill, which is the quick thinking. And it, like, sort of showed all of the guardians of the galaxy like kind of working together in unison it was like kind of it had like all the components for like a good finale and i think it was like good i i, I actually really liked how they handled this yeah um i personally hated it so, <laughs> um, <laughs> not magical <laughs> no, enough for just, you <laughs> uh yeah i mean would you would you like it more or less knowing that they took that dance and made it a Fortnite emote you know what i think i like it more there, there you go. go. Okay. Well, the answer, there right? I have a question. Yeah. What? Yeah. What was? What was? Uh, Ronan's plan? He like has a ship crash to the planet, and then he's like, mm -hmm. "I have the stone. I'm gonna destroy all of you." But he's like also on the planet. Like, well, I mean. Yeah, but the shockwave goes in front of right. him, and he's not going to destroy the entire planet. He's really destroying that main city where the people right. live. Right, but and also you need to understand, Shatter. Uh, you need to understand, John, that the staff does everything. So oh, okay. he it's like, oh no, okay. He he I needs get to now. get it into the ground, and then as soon as he gets <laughs> it into the ground, you're going to come to find that the staff also, unbeknownst to you, it also does this other thing that has never been established, which lets it teleports him, him like turn into like yeah, it teleports him, or it like summons a mech suit, or it puts a shield around okay. him, or it like okay. allows him to grow giant galaxy wings, or it open it'll do something. He he needs to get it into the ground, and then phase two of the staff will activate which well, will magically true. save him good thing good thing we never find out uh, and because so. frankly that would have been whoo man i i i can yeah. I, I shudder to imagine the second stage of the staff and what that would have looked like yeah the staff actually puts groot back together right? as a shield that goes around yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah but now he's evil uh, uh it, it 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 harkens back to the avengers it's also a mind control device right. but only for groot and he goes, no. I am evil Groot. <laughs> he goes, yeah. we are evil Groot. Uh, they're all able to hold on to the Infinity Stone and then destroy Ronin. And he says, we are the guardians of the galaxy. Duh. Bitch. Duh, duh, duh. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we uh we get to the wrap up here of the of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, where he's gonna hand over definitely the real orb to yondu wink, it's wink. for sure it wink wink but yondu don't open it because you know what happened last time it was open uh and that's that uh we find out that yondu and the ravagers were actually hired to hand quill over to his dad uh -huh. oh boy mm. uh we also find out that peter is only half 
human and half something else ancient. Yeah. Ooh. Which I wonder if that'll be explored next movie. Probably not. I don't think so. No, yeah, well, maybe not. I imagine that they'll uh, just sort of leave that there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so all their records are now expunged. They rebuilt the Milano for the Quill for Quill and the team uh, from John C. Riley. Thank you so much, John C. Riley, thanks, for Rick handling that. Big for ups. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Wreck-It Ralph. Um, <laughs> and now uh, for uh, Christian's other favorite part of the movie: uh, opening the letter from. His mom, yes. including the new cassette tape with Awesome Mix Volume Two. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I kind of, I kind of already get. I, I, yep. I sort of shot my wad on my and thoughts on that in like yeah, the first ten minutes. Utilized but it. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought that was goofy. <laughs> that was and really great. That was a, that was, it, a, yes. that, was um, that was a Dan thing. That was like that was like they okay. they did that for Dan. They did. They did, yeah, and they I really liked it. And that's it. We see some baby Groot, uh, which clearly now is growing from one of the twigs uh, that uh, was on the ground, is now growing to be another Groot. Which, by the way, just to establish this now, that is not Groot. That is Groot's offspring. Yeah. And this one... So can't say the word we i'm assuming so yes, we've so correct. now we've so the other Groot finally was able to say the word but now it's like thankfully everything's wrapped up in a neat little package this one cannot use the word we and then we're right back to where we started and that's that and uh Groot is dancing in the pot and every time drax looks over he stops dancing you know what it's a very cute little moment this is and this is one of those moments where i i like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a bit of a dan right now uh even though it like absolutely makes zero fucking sense as to what like Groot's not even looking at Drax like he's faced away from Drax and even <laughs> if he was looking at Drax why would he stop dancing like is he like does he feel shame or embarrassment and also where's the music coming from like it's like the, the, all of that being said though I liked it. It was fun. That was a fun. That was a fun, that, well, that was a fun little send off to the movie. Yeah, I know. He puts it. He were, puts the cassette into the fucking thing, and you see it. And it's in the, the yeah, it's the volume two, and it's playing over the speakers. Yeah, I know. Okay, so you know where the music's so, coming from. Yeah. Okay, got it. So cool. one of your points is taken away. Uh, I'm fucking agreeing with you here. Okay, like listen, dude. I don't need you to dogpile on top of me during the. You know what? I'm trying to extend a little bit of an olive branch at the end of the podcast. All I feel like right. I'm getting kind of piled okay. on. Okay. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, and then our mid-credits scene showing the Collector in the rubble and uh, Howard the Duck. Yep. And Howard the Duck. That's it. Howard the Duck makes a little appearance. Which I kind of thought was like an odd <laughs> decision to like end it. Because like, cause so, cause so often they sort of end them on like something like huge. And maybe, and I don't know, man. I mean, maybe Howard the Duck is like a huge thing for like fans of the Marvel it's Universe not. or whatever. But it's just like, it's like. All, like all of the other endings kind of up till now have been this like big sort of like here's what you get to look forward to next and then this one it was just kind of like hey it's howard the duck and it, it was like what and then it was done i was like okay that's i yeah i think this was james gunn just like doing a funny take on an end sure, credit scene yeah. and saying fuck it like that's it that's what you get yeah that was like the deal like i did like like i wasn't upset by it i was just like oh that's yeah. odd that that was the end <laughs> but yeah and there it is. And there it is. And that was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I 
really enjoyed this movie, so I think we should go uh, over some final thoughts and ratings. Yep, fi- fi- final yeah. thoughts and ratings. I guess I'll uh, kick us off. So, uh, of course, uh, as you all know, at the end, uh, I say something I liked about the movie in earnest and give it my rating. Dan says something that he did not like about the movie in earnest and then gives it his rating, and then we let uh, John take us out with some final thoughts as well as his rating. Uh so I would say, I mean, I already, I already kind of maybe spoiled the big reveal uh, of what it is that I like, but uh, legit, I think uh, art direction on this movie was fucking amazing, actual, and like beyond just like good, like beyond like serviceable or beyond like interesting, like it was like it was like top shelf, like this was like some top shelf like uh, uh, imagery that we got to see throughout this thing. Um, I really liked the colors. I really liked the sort of creative imagining of space and just like the like subtle things that they would do, like scenes where people are talking and there's like three suns, you know, and it's not like at any point someone's like, oh, it's very hot on this planet because of these three suns, you know, it's like, it's like just like just shit just like happening in the background that if you weren't really trying to pay attention to it, uh, you would miss it. You know, like the, and, and I feel like, I mean, the most boring part of the entire movie visually is like the hospital and earth. And that's just like right at the beginning. And I think it's also sort of meant to kind of be like that too, because it sort of juxtaposes, uh, you know, Peter on earth versus his new crazy adventures that he's having in space. But like kind of as soon as you get to like the space parts, it's like, every scene has like cool shit and i feel like they push like the boundaries on a lot of stuff because like all the mechanical stuff is like wild and cool and mechanical and the space stuff is like wild and cool and spacey the character designs are like wild like um and you know i was saying it before too but like even the extras like you know and even like parts where it's like you get into like the collector's lab like you know just the amount of shit to look at in all of the scenes was just like really great i actually uh legitimately thought that the art direction in this movie was fantastic um and uh i think that it was sort of the saving grace of the movie to me uh honestly because you know i that was like the thing that i had to latch on to while i was watching it uh all that being said uh four out of ten i feel like it suffered from some pacing issues i didn't like the characters that much really i thought uh we are group kind of fucked it out of 10 and uh i thought that the infinity stone was kind of lame and i it just did a loki's rod thing right there at the end where i was like what the fuck does the infinity stone actually you know whatever the fuck anyway uh four out of ten but watch it if you like art direction things that's my final rating i would recommend this movie to anyone who uh asked if they uh wanted to watch it and seemed interested but if you don't then i I wouldn't recommend it (laughs) well that's great um okay well good good that all lines up appropriately um (laughs) Uh, let's see two things actually I didn't like about this, uh, movie. If I have to pick things out, which I do apparently, um, the rushed story in the five minute sequence at the start, knowing how important Kree are to the future of like the Marvel universe over the course of the next phases. Uh, it was very rushed. It's the first time I've ever throughout our whole podcast had to rewind 
and listen again to make sure that I caught everything, uh, which means that there are definitely things people did not catch when listening to this. Um, and so, yeah, there were definitely some pacing issues, at least there for sure, when they were trying to tell the actual overall story. I did like the, obviously the character building and, and the characters throughout this movie, but, uh, some of the overall world building was kind of skipped over or just really rushed through. And then the twigs just, I've, I, I don't know what it is. The twigs just stick with me. I don't, I, I thought it was really The twigs lame. just stick with you. Uh. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's my thoughts. Uh, but I I enjoyed it. It was a great origin story movie. Um, which, if you think about, it, I mean, this was an origin story. And uh, what I liked about it though was that it didn't feel just like an origin story. It just felt like we were continuing on a journey, and more people were joining as we went. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it, it was a it was a cool way. Anyway, so I would put this movie. Um, probably under some of the other, like, Captain America ones, I'd probably put this at, like, a 6.8 out of 10. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I don't know, like, uh, while I really enjoyed the character development, there was, for me, also some pacing issues through this movie, either moving too fast or gaps where, like, it seemed like things could be filled in, so... I really enjoyed it, but I would say that it wasn't necessarily the top tier for me. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So I, I mean, I got to agree with both of you guys' points. Um, I'm not going to go and like recap, but I think that um, something that is under, not understated, sorry, something that is overstated about this movie, but I'm going to have to go and comment about it here as well is the, uh, the use of the soundtrack um really sets the mood for a lot of this movie and usually when people use um you know like licensed popular music in movies it gets used like very poorly and you're like oh we're hearing another one of these songs but the entire time um they use the music pretty tastefully and the every time they put one of those licensed songs in it like fits the mood very well um and it doesn't it doesn't really like distract you from what's going on on the screen. And uh, I think it was like really essential to the world building. Um, So the movie gets a lot of points for that. I like how we mentioned before that the movie is not really only about Quill. It's about Quill and the group as a whole. Like none of the characters really take um, too much time from each other, but they all kind of mesh together as a team. I thought that was really well done. Um, but it does suffer from, like you said, uh, pacing issues. And I don't know, like people just get information somehow out of nowhere where like they weren't there to hear the information that was given to the heroes of the movie, but somehow they know anyway. And that kind of threw me off a little. Um, and the humor, I don't know, maybe it's just like I'm getting James Gunn overloaded uh, for the past couple of years and I'm getting tired of his type of humor um it's like he just kind of shotguns it he's like we're gonna throw as many jokes as we possibly can and a lot of them are gonna land and it doesn't matter if some of them don't and i think it kind of works for him but i am getting tired of it it's like the lin-manuel miranda of like comedy um he shot james gunned it okay go on (sighs) 
Nope. Nope. No. That was it. Yeah. Uh, rating, surprisingly, I'm going to put this at a 7.4 out of 10. Nice. That, uh, wow. wow. That's a spicy rating. I thought rating. that it was fun. The humor hit more than it missed. And uh, I liked all the characters. I don't know. I don't know what to say. The colorful. It was a colorful, vibrant, genius movie. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, another podcast in the catalog of podcasts. podcasts. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah. This has been another exciting episode of uh, uh, Guardians of Cape Shit. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, Bye. everyone. Bye.